Welcome to VLGA Connect. My name is Catherine Arndt and I'm the Chief of the VLGA Connect Studio. I hope you enjoy today's Connect episode brought to you by the VLGA, the national broadcaster on all things local government. Well, hello and welcome back to VLGA Connect. And I'm delighted to be joined on the program today by the Chief Executive Officer of South Gippsland Shire Council, Karen Ellis. Karen, lovely to see you. Thanks, Chris. Lovely to see you too. And thanks for the opportunity. Well, I wanted to take one of our deeper dives on the program into a story that uh, has made some news just of late, and that is, uh, and it's good news, the release of the final report from the municipal monitor, Prue Digby, who was in place for some time at South Gippsland after the election. Of course, you went back to election, I think it was a year later than everyone else, because uh, you'd been in a period of administration and the government decided to have some assistance there on board uh, through that process. Firstly, from your perspective, how well did that process work? It's a great question, Chris, because I suppose initially I had the view that this is a new council, a new election, they haven't failed yet, so why do we need a monitor? And um, probably 12 months on, I actually see the role or at least the potential role of monitors a little differently because um, we were very fortunate to have Prue Digby as our monitor, very, very experienced um, local government and broader governance professional. And the role that she played was far more a coaching and support role rather than um, an oversight role from the perspective of something having having gone wrong. So I suppose my view is that I found it really helpful and I know that it built the confidence of some of our councillors um, even just to nominate and to be willing to be involved um, in what could have been a really challenging council. And um, it was good to see that confidence in local governance um, and local representation be supported. So I guess what we've seen over the past few years, and particularly under Sean Lean when he was minister, was this proactive use of monitors to, uh, I guess, avoid situations occurring. So we've had a council and administration, and I'm mindful there are two others still, uh, Casey and and Whittlesey. Mm. Um, It it seems to be a positive step towards saying, uh, let's make sure we set these councils up for success as much as we possibly can. Do you see it that way? Yes, very much so. Um, and I think in terms of the work that's happening, that's being led by LGV, but happening in the sector around um, councillor conduct and how we might support and set higher standards of conduct, I think the concept of positive and supportive municipal monitors that play a coaching and advisory role is a really strong opportunity. Um, and it certainly worked well in South Gippsland from the perspective of giving people the confidence to stand for council in the first place, and then also providing that independent mm. view of how the councillors are, tra- are tracking in their first year. So when we dig into the report, and it's not a huge report, it's a, mm. it's a, it's an easy read. There's a couple of themes coming through, one particularly around induction, which I'll ask you about in a second, but also what struck me, no recommendations for future governance of the Shire. That's got to be the perfect report card then, doesn't it? That's certainly how I'm choosing to interpret it, Chris, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, look, it's it's a pretty strong um, commendation, I think, for the councillor group and the efforts that they've made to um, set a new standard for South Gippsland and really be deliberate and conscious of how they want to interact with each other, with myself and the organisation and also with the community, but also how they want to be judged on their term and their legacy, which is as much about 
respectful, positive, strong, collaborative relationships as it is about the, um, I suppose, the practical things they deliver. Um, but it's also really gratifying, I think, to have a, such a positive reflection of the work that the organisation did to make the councillors welcome and to support them in their early days. So the monitor makes the point that the the use of an induction and a transition plan, particularly in your case, um, is going to be crucial for uh, for success. Uh, can you unpack a little bit for us uh, how you went about developing that plan given it's obviously going to be crucial yeah um look it, it was something that for understandable reasons we invested a lot of time and effort into and certainly the administrators that we had um, acting as our council that set the budget for that first year um were really supportive and allocated quite a bit of funding I think we had um, about seventy five thousand dollars in our budget um, which we didn't fully expend in the end, but the idea of that was that we uh, would have access to external and independent advice where that was valuable and also to um, facilitation and other support. Um, but really, I suppose, the, the main thing that I would reflect on in terms of the approach we took was really starting with the end in mind in terms of what you want to achieve. And we really wanted our new councillors to feel welcome and valued and to feel that the organisation was keen to set them up for success and support them, particularly in that first sort of three to six month period, which, um, you know, if you come at councillor induction from an empathetic perspective and think about how long it's taken me to learn everything I know about local government. And we're sort of trying to get them to understand that in a very short period of time. That really helped us design the program in a way where we were hopeful that um, information could be delivered as it was needed and then reinforced over time rather than trying to get it all right in the first sort of two or three months. Yeah. But the other really, really strong thing was um, it was we started with the um, commitment that it was going to be about relationships, values, ways of working and collaboration first and technical detail second. And we invested a lot of time up front in enabling the councillors to get to know each other and understand their values, how they wanted to work and the standards they wanted to set for their own conduct mm. um, to get to know me as their, obviously their one employee, but also their key conduit into the organisation. Um, and then also to start to enable the councillors to get to know both the organisation, but also the community. And um, our councillor group's very committed to open community engagement and they wanted to get into that early. And we made sure they had lots of good opportunities to start working closely with the community. So really it was about enabling the councillor group to have lots of opportunity to connect and talk about legacy and talk about how they wanted to um, be known in terms of their conduct and then providing lots of opportunities for them to actually um, reflect and debrief on how they were going against those conduct standards. Um, that was, we probably did a bit of a sort of, you know, 70-30 balance where 70% of it up front was culture values relationships and we had 30% that was about content and technical. Mm. That stuff's really important, but I think the challenge if you hit counsellors with too much too soon is it feels like we're telling them everything they can't do instead of talking to them and enabling um, the great role that counsellors can play. You've, you've, I think, hit to the nail on the head of a problem that exists across the sector and I, I'm wondering 
how much of this was known to the candidates in terms of the work we're going to be doing about culture values? It's not just about um, sitting around the table and making the decision that you think needs to be made. Mm. Um, it's that challenge of educating the broader community, I think, about the role of the councillor and you need you need successful candidates that are open to that. Do, do you see where I'm going? So how much Absolutely. in your situation was known by the pool of candidates that that was the task ahead of them? Um, so you'd obviously be aware, Chris, that all candidates are now required to complete um, a, a program that's delivered through LGV. And I think uh, that concept is really good, but I think it could be strengthened in terms of the content and the um, clarity around what the role of councillor is about and the and the nature of actually working together, um, often without a, always without a sort of a parliamentary discipline and often without necessarily clear lines of alignment, that a lot of it is about relationships and and building, um, you know, interest around particular policy areas through collaboration. Um, and we we certainly had feedback from some of the people, some of the candidates that had nominated early or declared early that they really didn't find that that training fully hit the mark. So we developed our induction program quite early and as candidates announced their nomination, we sent it out to them so they knew what to expect. Uh-huh. We sent it out as a proposed. So the idea was that, you know, we've we've had a go at developing something that both meets all the legislative needs, but also enables you to form as a high functioning group. But the first thing we're going to do when you get elected is talk to you about the program and how how it's going to work for you and whether or not it meets your needs. Um, but it certainly made we certainly made it clear um, in terms of the time commitment involved, which I um, I, I still councillors still often. I often hear councillors still saying they underestimate how much time it actually takes, particularly in that first six months. Um, and then we also made it really clear to them in terms of the themes that we were going to pursue that it was as much about relationship building and um, talking about how you want to operate as it was getting into actually making decisions and delivering projects. Yeah, so um, I guess in your case and in the case of uh, Whittlesey and Casey, there's a bit of a burning platform to be able to do that. So my mind's going to how can the rest of the sector, perhaps next election cycle, uh, learn from and perhaps um, uh, benefit from your experience here and the plan you've developed? Is, is, Mm. is, Is it transferable? Oh, I think large elements of it are, and um, I would certainly encourage um, other CEOs, as I'm sure they're already doing, because elections come around really fast, to sort of start thinking early about how um, programs can be designed to um, A, be available early so candidates know what they're getting into, but Mm. secondly, to make sure that there are all those elements in there and there's enough time up front for the relationship building side. Um, you're absolutely right, I think, Chris, that where a council's been dismissed, there's a really heightened level of awareness in the community and amongst the candidates that, um, you know, we need to do things differently. Mm. So it does make it a little easier in some ways. But I think for any council, um, of course, as CEO, you, you're only responsible for 50% of the relationship, but do the 50% that you can do as well as you can by being prepared early and by allowing enough time for um, pe- for the for the councillors when they're first elected to get to know each other and have some conversations early about how they want to be known. 
um, and the values that they want to live and have recognised. So there's one more piece of this that I want to just explore a little bit with you, and you you might not want to go here. Um, uh, Prue says, the impact of the skills and capability of the chief executive officer has on the quality of the interaction between councillors and the organisation cannot be underestimated. And she's been quite uh, complimentary about your role in um, in the leadership of South Gippsland that's contributed to its achievements and success to date, which really, so, so firstly, congratulations, uh, no, no surprise to me, and I'm sure to many uh, <laughs> who know you in the sector, but it really underscores the importance, doesn't it, of having a CEO with those skills and capabilities to lead through a time, well, ordinarily, but mm. and let alone a time like this. Yeah, look, that, it was it was really flattering to have those comments in the report and I really appreciated Prue's feedback. Um, and I've got to say that I've had the fortune throughout my career to work with some fantastic CEOs. So I've had great role, role models and I suppose I'm just practising what I've learnt from others. But the thing the thing that I think is really key is a couple of things. Um, one is that you're right, it does take, I think, um, a certain amount of sort of skill and capability at CEO level and hopefully supported by a really great team and good directors. Um, and that, I think, lends all the more weight to um, making sure that the CEO role is one that's actually, you know, safe and valued and um, that it is seen as a, a role that's important to attract and retain talented people in right across the sector. Um, and there's a whole sort of separate conversation there about um, some of the challenges, I think, with retaining good CEOs in local government. Mm. But the other part that I would say, um, I went into the relationship with my new councillors and I didn't know who they were going to be, of course, um, with an open mind and I suppose an open heart, believing in good intent and starting from an open perspective that, if we work together, we can make this work. And I was really open with them right from the start that I won't always get everything right either. And if I'm expecting the councillors to continue to reflect on um, you know, their performance, I should be doing the same thing. And to an extent, we should be doing that together. So I think it's, it's really important that CEOs are confident and capable of providing clear and firm advice where that's really needed. But it's equally important, I think, that CEOs are, um, are open to conversations how, about how things are working and how maybe things could be done differently to respond to the needs of the unique nine individuals that you've had elected. Mm. Um, and from in our case, that has established a, a really strong relationship of of trust and mutual respect with the councillor group. That's terrific. So well done to to everyone. Uh, Prue says it would be of value to the sector if the South Gippsland induction transition program was shared with the sector along with the learnings. Has there been some movement on uh, getting that to happen as yet? Yes, we certainly had a number of requests and in particular, um, as you flagged before, Chris, with Whittlesey and Casey who are what are they now, less than two years um, yes. from going through a similar process. Um, we're certainly in conversation with them about what we can share, but we're very happy to share our um, transition plan in the hope that it might help others. And likewise, I should say we were very, um, we benefited very much from a number of other councils being willing to share 
their transition program with us. One of the great things about being a year after everyone else was everyone else had gone through it 12 months before and we had the opportunity to learn from others. And I think that's one of the great things about the sector. So if we can help anybody else, we're really happy to do so. And and dare I say, it might also be of assistance in improving the mandatory training program that candidates are required to go through across the state. Yes, it could be, Chris. That's correct. <laughs> provocative, <laughs> provocative thought, perhaps. We'll leave, it, we'll leave it there. Karen, it's been great to catch up with you. Congratulations again to, I know it's a team effort to you and all your team and the uh, team, the mayor and the councillors there at South Gippsland for, for getting back on track in such a positive way and all the very best for the future. Thanks so much, Chris, and thanks for the opportunity. We've been speaking with Karen Ellis, the CEO at South Gippsland Shire Council today on VLGA Connect. Stay subscribed for more coming at you very soon. Bye for now. Thank you.